So as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I'd like to share what I've entitled the following. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Would you please say that with me? In quietness and confidence is your strength. I know it's a little bit of a longer title and I was trying to think, you know, how to make it shorter and still get everything in and I thought, no ways. This is the way it must be said. <laughs> and it comes straight out of scripture. Would you please turn so long to Isaiah chapter 30 and we'll look at verse one to three and verse 15 to 18. Isaiah 30, one to three and 15 to 18. Uh, I encourage you to follow in your Bible, but it is on the screen because I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And so can I ask, open up your heart because God wants to speak to his people now. And it says the following, what sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. That's quite something. God is saying to his people, you have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting in Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. Please jump to verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Here it comes, it's beautiful. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. There is our title right there in verse 15. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Isn't that so beautiful? Just meditate on that for a moment. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But then it goes on to say, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt and they will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are gonna see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hilltop or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. Now verse 18 says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him. Isn't that true? Many times God's just waiting. <laughs> he says, instead of running around doing your own thing, he says, I'm waiting for you to come to me. The Lord, where am I now? So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion for the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. By the way, folks, this is a very beautiful scripture. 
The Lord is talking. I believe to many of us and different things the Lord is highlighting, but essentially here, there is a contrast between looking to God for help and doing things according to our own plans. Now just be real with me for a moment. Don't act super spiritual. In this church, we don't act super spiritual. Many times we are facing this, even on a weekly basis. Am I gonna do it my way? <laughs> or am I gonna go the way of the Lord? Am I gonna do it my way? Am I gonna rest in the arm of the of flesh? Or am I gonna go God's way? This is something that we face on a continual basis. But God is waiting for you and me to be dependent on Him. And then, the moment we choose dependence, He pours out His grace upon us. But He's waiting for that moment where you say, God, okay, I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> and then He pours out His grace. It reminds me of a scripture which says that God opposes the proud. Why? because they are full of themselves and thinking they're gonna sort this all out, but it says he gives grace to the humble because the humble person says, you know what, I don't have what it takes, but my God has what it takes, and I'm going after God, and he's gonna take me through, and then God pours out his grace on the humble. Now, just if you go to the next chapter, Isaiah 31, verse one, just that first verse, it's not on the screen, but I'll just read it to you from the New King James. It says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. You know, sometimes Egypt, which is a picture of the world, looks very strong. The chariots look strong, the horses look strong, the people who ride the horses look strong, and Egypt looks very strong. But I wanna, be, I wanna just say to you, Egypt is not strong. It is the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the great I am. He is the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one. Come on, you're a little bit quiet today. He's the one that has the strength. And so the Lord is basically, He's jealous for the affection of our hearts and rightfully so. He wants us to look to Him for help. He wants us to trust in Him at all times. There's another scripture in uh, Psalm 20, verse seven in the NIV. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's you, that's me, come on. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So consider this for a moment. Is your trust anchored in the Lord our God? Come on. Anchored in the Lord our God. Now, the context of the story here that is happening is that Israel, or Judah specifically, God's people, they were negotiating, listen to this, an alliance with Egypt to fight against Assyria. So here, Judah, God's people, 
They are talking to this heathen nation, Egypt, because they're impressed with them and their chariots and their horses. And they're thinking, well, let's negotiate with these guys and then we're gonna totally annihilate Assyria. But that was not God's plan. And that's the issue. It was not God's plan. And so Judah was seeking advice and seeking help from everybody else except God. And the prophet Isaiah, who is speaking here, he is angry with the people of God because he realizes the mistake that they're making because basically a treaty with Egypt is effectively saying that we are rejecting the purposes of God. And so God warned Judah that turning to Egypt would not save them but would cause their humiliation. Now, what are some of the things that we can learn from this? And I don't have specific points, but just a couple of things that stand out for me. One of them is depend on the Lord. Please say that with me, depend on the Lord. This is what God was wanting from them. (laughs) He's just saying, why don't you just depend on me? You know, when we face a storm in life, Sometimes we turn to everything and everybody else for help instead of running to the Lord. I think sometimes we're thinking that we're gonna get an easy way out if we run to Egypt and get help from other people. But we should rather turn to God. I wanna remind you that the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into him and we are safe. That is truth to dispel the lies that the enemy is trying to sell you. And so we need to depend on the Lord. I heard a story about a man, he was floating down a river. It was a river which was flowing fairly fast and further on, uh, several hundred meters down, it was clear there was a rumble of a waterfall that was coming and so this man, he was sort of closer to the one side of the river but the current was too strong, he couldn't. So in desperation, he cries out to God and he says, God, help me, Lord, save me. And uh, all of a sudden, he sees this branch hanging over the side of the river and he grabs a hold of the branch and he says, never mind, Lord, I came right. (laughs) A moment later, the branch broke. (laughs) I think sometimes we like that. Yes, God will always provide his children with emergency help in time of a crisis, but I believe the Lord is wanting to help you out of close relationship. He wants to continually have you depending on him. And it says in Isaiah 58, 11, it says, the Lord will guide you continually. Please say continually. It's not just looking to God in a crisis. It's continually depending on the Lord. It says the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And so this is it. Depending on God continually is what the Lord is calling for. Another thing we can learn from this today is stay in step with God. Please say that with me. Stay in step with God. You know, the enemy does not want you to be in step with God. Sometimes I think we try to speed up God's plan. We think it's not happening fast enough. So we wanna speed things up and we are hasty. 
But instead, we should understand that God's timing is perfect. I like the word impeccable. I don't know, it just sounds so much more spot on. God's timing is absolutely impeccable and so we must stay in step with God. Years ago, when I was a youth leader uh, in, in my dad's church at Hatfield, I remember a guy from America came to speak to all of us as the young people and he gave this illustration and he says, here you are, you're walking in the timing of the Lord and this is exactly the pace and you're walking according to the rhythm of heaven. But what the enemy will try to do is he will try to hold you back so that you cannot stay in time with the Lord. He'll try to hold you back through guilt, through condemnation, through making you think you're never gonna accomplish anything, all sorts, he'll try to hold you back. Or he will try to push you ahead of the timing of God so that you are completely running ahead of the plans of God. But here's the thing. The right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. It's so important. And we can, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can stay in step with God. And you know what? I think of the fact that God's timing was perfect for Choose Life Church in terms of the very month in which we started in 2005. Even, I believe, down to the very day we started. I believe that God's timing was in it all. And because of that timing, many things just fell into place. One of them was that three and a half years after the church had started, we were able to buy this church facility. Now, I believe that if we had tried to start the church two or three years earlier or two years later, we would have missed this amazing gift that God had provided for us. But his timing was perfect and he gets all the glory, amen? And his timing is also perfect for your life. Let's just reiterate verse 15. Just bring it up on the screen again, please. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And here it comes, in quietness, and confidence is your strength. Please say that with me. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Now, this is actually a very beautiful verse. And I would encourage you to consider meditating on just that phrase. In quietness and confidence is your strength. It is an invitation. But it says in quietness and confidence is your strength. What would the converse be? I'd suggest to you the following. In commotion and mistrust is your downfall. <laughs> Many times in Proverbs, it gives the comparison of, of the way of the unrighteous and the way of the righteous. And there's these comparisons. In this, there's no comparison like that. But I would say that the opposite of quietness is commotion. The opposite of confidence is mistrust or insecurity. And so what do we need to do? We need to reject commotion and choose quietness. God is saying that to you today. Reject commotion, re re reject the, the frenzy and choose the quietness. God is also saying to you, reject the mistrust, reject that insecurity and choose confidence in me. Can I get an amen? amen. And you know what? Quietness and confidence can be described as complete trust. 
And here's the thing. As we endeavor to trust completely, we enter into true rest. It's so beautiful. Strive to enter into that true rest. Another thing that we learn from this passage is that only God can save us. Say that with me. Only God can save us. Now, don't just know that in your head. Know that in your heart. Know that as the firm conviction that you just, I'm tired of trying to save myself. I'm trying to, tired of my own plans. And I just realize I need God. Only you can save me, God. You see, look into Egypt. In other words, look into the world as these people of God, the, uh, Judah was doing, was a big mistake. But choosing confidence in the Lord, that is the right decision. I also wanna say to you, don't be tempted to place your confidence in partnerships, in alliances, in authorities, in institutions. Our confidence should be in the Lord our God. For instance, you can have a business person and the company's doing quite well and so on, but they need a, a, an injection of more capital and cash into the company and you come across this person and they're so keen and they wanna invest in your company and next thing, you shift your confidence off of God, you've been looking to him all along and now your confidence is in your partner and you say, my partner's gonna do stuff, he's gonna make or she, they're gonna make this company be incredible. No, you've turned to Egypt. Now, there's nothing wrong with partnerships. And by the way, make sure as a believer that you are not unequally yoked. Yes, that's what the Bible says. But in terms of that, if a partnership comes along and invests and so on, don't take your eyes off of your senior partner onto a partnership. Keep looking unto Jesus. Our confidence should be in the Lord our God. Only He can save us. And it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. Come on, let faith arise. The mighty one will save. And all those other agencies, they have far less power. They don't even compare to the great I am, to the all-powerful God. The last thing I wanna say is this. Don't be impressed with your wisdom. Be impressed with God's wisdom. Say that with me. Don't be impressed with your wisdom. Be impressed with God's wisdom. You know, ultimately, his ways and thoughts are so much higher. And the Bible says earthly wisdom is sensual and demonic and all these things. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving and all those good things. And that, that We want the wisdom of heaven. But sometimes I think we are too confident in our own wisdom Bad move. <laughs> Don't be too confident in your... Now, Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 7 in the NLT, I'll just read it to you. It says, trust. Everyone say trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And He will show you the path to take. Listen to this. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What incredible wisdom. Let me tell you this little story. 
Some years ago, probably about 12, 15 years ago, we were really needing to get a bit of a better car. We had our little Mazda 323, better known as a Maserati. <laughs> no, it was just a 323. So we had our little Mazda 323 and we were needing to find a little bit of a bigger, more safe, suitable car for the family and so on. And so we had our eye on a particular car. I won't mention which one, but we got a little picture of it and we put it up on the fridge. And we did what those faith guys, I'd seen those faith guys, they say, you name it, frame it, claim it. So I, I was trying anything, you know, name it, frame it, claim it. Ah, God, we want that thing, there you go. God, we call it in. And nothing was happening. Eventually, the picture on the fridge was even fading. The white car started to look like a yellow car. And so we were getting frustrated because nothing was happening. But then somehow, I don't know, the Lord helped us to change our prayer because we, we began to realize maybe we're asking the wrong thing and we then began to pray for the following, Lord, please give us the right vehicle. We're not gonna be impressed with our own wisdom. We're gonna be impressed with your wisdom. God, would you please give us the right vehicle and not long after that, the Lord provided which was a far more suitable vehicle. It was lighter on fuel. It had better safety features. It was so ideal for us and we drove that car for many years, but we only had the breakthrough when we stopped relying on our own understanding. I wanna tell you today, church, that God knows best. Come on, God knows best. Be impressed with His wisdom. And so I wanna say that we need to lay aside every human effort and we need to rest firmly in the Lord. Now, I just wanna read this to you and then we'll have communion. Isaiah 30, 15, uh, you don't have to look at it on the board, I'm just reading it from three different translations. It says, come back and quietly trust in me, then you will be strong and secure. Quietly trust in me. In the message, your salvation requires that you turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourselves. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me. And then the last one in the Amplified Classic, in returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved in quietness, and then I love this, and in trusting confidence shall be your strength. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now we're gonna partake in communion. And I just wanna remind you that communion is the opportunity of returning. Communion is the opportunity of resting. It's an opportunity for quietness and confidence in the Lord. I trust you have the bread and the cup ready. And I'd like to read to you from Matthew 26 in the Living Bible. As they were eating, Jesus took a small loaf of bread and blessed it and broke it apart, gave it to his disciples and said, take it and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it and gave it to them and said, 
each one drink from it. For this is my blood, sealing the new covenant. It is poured out to forgive the sins of multitudes. Let's lift up the bread. Lord, we come before you in quietness and confidence. We come before you returning to you. We come before you embracing your rest. We thank you that this wafer represents the body of Jesus Christ. And as we break it, we remind ourselves of the price that you paid on the cross for us. Oh, thank you for paying that price. We also just confess anything that we've said or done that hasn't been right. We're sorry, Lord, but thank you for what you do. The body of the Lord broken for you. And now, Lord, we lift up the cup. Scripture tells us that this cup represents the blood of Jesus. And we just think of how incredibly privileged we are to partake. Aren't we, child of God? We're privileged. And Lord, thank you that as we partake of this cup, we receive everything that the covenant that you've made with us has made available, we say yes to it all. We want to receive an access of everything and of every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, the blood of the Lord shed for you. Now, just in this moment, would you just allow just gratitude to arise in your heart. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We realize that it is by the grace of God that we stand. Also, Father, I wanna to add to this prayer to thank you that, Jesus, you are coming again. You are the king that is gonna return for us. And we want to live with an expectation of the reality of your return. I speak blessing out over the people of God. Just receive this from your heavenly Father. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day.